Welcome to episode 111. We're going to talk all about that immediate post-spawn bass fishing blues. Baitman, Baxter the Baitman is going to join me. We're going to talk about north versus south, immediate post-spawn, why it sucks, and the baits and the techniques that can help you get through it. If you get a chance, give this podcast a thumbs up or rating or whatever you do in your favorite podcast app and enjoy the episode. This week, the Hell of Ass Bass Fishing Podcast is brought to you by Arsenal Fishing. Arsenal Fishing offers premium custom-made performance apparel and tackle. Arsenal delivers a wide variety of custom-designed baits, accessories, and tools, along with unique utilitarian apparel for all outdoor enthusiasts. As part of their support, you can use code HELLABASS15 to save 15% on all purchases at arsenalfishing.com to support the show. Now let's get back to helping you catch more bass and suck less. All right. Wednesday night live again. HELLABASS live. It's good. I feel like I'm on a roll. Hitting my Wednesday nights, being consistent. Lots of people lining up. What's up, Bateman? What's going on? What's up, Rich? I'm fixing to pull a chat up on my laptop. So if y'all hear weird noises, that's All right, me. if we get some echo for just a second, we'll know what it is. Uh, Greg got... said uh, he found some good girls last weekend. I assume that's big girls, the pre-spawn. He lives up in Brainerd, so I don't think they quite hit where we're at. But uh, what's up, Justin Cook? Justin Cook, good dude. Man, him at the Classic a few years ago. Yeah, for sure, Top Toe. This is exactly what we're talking about. Like, <laughs> uh, that immediate post-spawn when things get really weird for just a little bit, that's what kind of the main focus. And, like, it's probably a little bit past that for much of the south. But with the waves, you're probably going to see some of that. But, like, we're in the like where I live in Minneapolis, I feel like we're definitely one of those bands based on my weekend. Some people are feeling it, though. Ant Farm says post-spawn funk's been real. Tim, what are you doing here so early? <laughs> uh, yeah, what's up, Tim? I got off work just in time to make this special edition Hellabass live stream. Yeah, Gary, I was listening to the uh, the radio as I was driving my daughter home from hockey, and I heard uh, the abs go up to zip. Um, so it's not looking good for the Blues. <clears throat> I actually used to watch a lot of hockey. San Jose was my team. Bassmaster Matt, I don't stunt. Excited to see the bait man. Thanks. I don't stunt. I got uh, I got the bait cam ready for a little mm. bit later. We're, we got the bait cam. Lots of fun stuff tonight. So the idea, so just the premise behind the stream. I was out on Sunday with my buddy, and water temps were already like low to mid sixties in a little metro lake we went to, and. Uh, the only thing we saw of shallow were a few fry garters. I saw a lot of fry already. Like it went from like, I fished a tournament April 24th and it was 46, 47 degree water. <laughs> and now we're at May 24th, essentially. And so like last weekend, I fished tournament on Big Stone, a little bit bigger lake and water temps are creeping on 60 and the fish were just starting to like almost pull up out there a little bigger lake and then in the metro here felt like it was already post-spawn every fish we caught was skinny it was mostly buck males the few like good-sized fish we caught were bloody tail big heads skinny bodies just like that it just like up here it's like 
they go from pre-spawn to post-spawn in like that, especially on our smaller lakes. Yeah, you know that's actually uh, what these <clears throat> the bass here on Tennessee River used to do. There was almost like no window of transition. It was they spawn and then they're out to the main river ledges. Sure. In, in a week, but if you were that guy that could catch them for moving from the pockets to the main river and catch them moving. Steve Kennedy style, like in an old FLW on Kentucky Lake, you could just bust them. Yeah. And I think part of what we're going to talk about is because, like, it's not the same everywhere. So, Bateman's going to give us the, the southern perspective, the TVA, the, the reservoir, the shad, the gizzard shad, and I'm going to give you kind of my northern perspective and some of the things I do. So, I think that'll give everybody, whether you're way up north like Jay and Greg, or if you're down south, like, fishing the southeast and some of these other... Uh, people, then I think there'll be a little something for everybody tonight. How good of a screen name is Critical Gravy? It's yeah. just amazing. What's up, Dave Tui? Well, you know, if we're going to talk about the South, and most of my fishing is really done on the Tennessee River, whether that's mostly Kentucky Lake, used to be what I would call the premier lake up here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but all that's relevant whether it's Gunnersville, Pickwick, and I don't know if you've seen the weights at Wheeler now. Wheeler's really came on. Um, the 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 whole post spawn deal, it's two things: uh, gizzard shad and bluegill. Now, uh-huh. now your Kentucky Lake, less gizzard shad, less the redfin. So we've had to change a lot of tactics. Those bait fish aren't migrating out to the ledges. Once those, once the shad spawn happens, and that's usually a post-spawn bite on, on the Tennessee River, those bass will hang around. But once that shad spawn dies, they're either somewhere on a hump or drop in a bay, or they're on a main river ledge. And when you find uh, the bait fish, you're going to find bass. And that makes... Actually, it makes finding bass easier if you can find the bait. Now, what we've sure. ran into, obviously, like I just said, our population of bait fish is down. So, we've actually had to rely more on the northern style approach of finding spawning brim, brim beds. Uh, a lot of guys do that uh, in the North Carolina lakes. Um, you know, I used to uh, film Jason Quinn. He was big on fishing brim beds. So, it's, it's really changed, and that's where your flukes... Your mm-hmm. prop baits, poppers, uh, are really, really effective. Because everyone here is post-spawn, Tennessee River, it's big crankbaits, hair jigs, magnum spoons, plum worms, you know, whatever, Carolina rig. And that stuff really works when they're biting. But post-spawn isn't always easy. Yeah. And I think that's the premise of this stream. And it's really easy to get spun out there because you're really excited. Like, man, they ought to be out on the drops and all this and it always seems like there's a window whether it's a day two or even a week where it's like they're ghost fish you can't find them yeah and that's what i really like there's the the the, the immediate post bond that's when i think of it the funk right like they literally just got beds they're nomads they don't know what's going on once you get a little further into the post bond in the early summer that's when like things tend to like that's when it like they happen right they get hungry they like go from like you know and every fish is a little different but um so Byron, Childers. I was just on the phone, Byron. We might mention a few uh, tricks that maybe missile baits might play. I can think of a few soft plastics from missile baits that might be in my bag of tricks for post spawn. So, 
Yeah, I'll tell you a good one is Nico rigging the quiver because it yeah. always delivers. The quiver or even the uh, the 48? The 48's a very underrated bait. Yeah. I feel like the 48 was really hot and the quiver come out, it was even hotter, and then people forgot about the 48. It's a really good bait. One of the things I like the 48 for, actually, I don't have any like handy here, but like, so we've we fish a lot of jig worms, <laughs> which are basically an exposed shaky head uh, in, in Minnesota, right? Um, the 48 is a deadly jig worm bait. Wasn't uh, Don Iovino really famous for like making that jig worm? Yeah. Finesse they, jig worm? What was, yeah, I they, forgot they did. the name of his worm company. Wasn't he. Charlie what Brewer was the slider. Yeah. And didn't wasn't he more the brass and glass guy? Ivino? Mm. All but, I know is he was really mad because he thought he got cut from the Yamamoto Pro staff. And it was just somebody in the office had never heard of him. <laughs> but he's good now. So if you guys do the worm. That's yeah. it. God, we got some great you got some great subscribers, and a lot of them cross over to my stream. We're, they're so I was smart. just going to say, there's a, there's a, they're a fair amount of crossover. <clears throat> um, but, yeah, so, like, up here, for us, right, outside of the Mississippi River and a few fisheries, we don't really have a lot of shad. So it's primarily a bluegill thing. And, like we talked about earlier, there's that immediate, immediate post-spawn where, for the most part, the bluegills aren't even really up yet. When... We get a little further in the post spawn when the bluegills bed, then it totally flips. Then you you got those the big cruisers and the people mm-hmm. the, the you know those old big heads floating around like chasing the bluegill beds and raiding those. That that's that's a fun time. That's a good bite. That's that's when you were talking about those prop baits and and the poppers and that kind of stuff. That that really starts to take off. But I feel like we're not quite there. <laughs> and like what like for me like I caught a lot of fish swimming a jig this weekend. Um, and the other thing that like. To me, is absolutely a must, <laughs> like it or not. <laughs> a whack is a freaking wacky worm. Like you just can't not like throw whether it's a dinger, or a senko, or a forty-eight, or a, a fluke stick, or you know what, uh, uh, you know. Like there's a million of them, but they all work pretty good. And <clears throat> when they're uh, when they're that immediate post spawn, it's that's tough to beat. Yeah, I uh, I really like a fluke post-spawn shallow water fishing uh, one I can cover water with it it imitates a lot of things like a watermelon red fluke whatever your favorite soft jerk bait uh-huh. is I'm just saying fluke is a standard uh, I like a watermelon red and I like a green pumpkin and the reason I like a green pumpkin is it almost looks black in the water you kind of get more of a shadow silhouette look and you can cover a lot of water but you're imitating a bluegill you're imitating a shad you can imitate a lot of things and one thing you're talking about wacky rig i used to actually wacky rig a fluke quite a bit sure especially like if you're going down a bank or whatnot and you've been fishing a fluke or whatever you're fishing you could be fishing a buzz bait this, this is a really good time to do this a lot of guys have a follow-up bait you throw a buzz bait trying to catch a big fish and you get one miss a lot of times you can throw a wacky rig fluke in behind that and it'll kind of shimmer and you can kind of hold it in one spot. Darrell Wilson says glimmer blue. That's a great color. It's very imitated shad. That's a really good one and a zoom fluke. But, dude, wacky rig and a fluke, you can catch them. It's not something that I always have tied on, but it's kind of a little trick. 
to catch a few more. Yeah. Just a quick reminder. Don't like to hammer it a lot, but if you guys are in, in the mood to learn some juice on post-spawn and you appreciate Bateman spending some time tonight, just go ahead. And, you don't have to like smash it, but just a little light tap on the like button helps everybody out and uh, gets more. I want you to smash the shit out of the light. <laughs> Byron does not agree. <laughs> well, you know, you got to understand it's Byron. <laughs> I'm not sure Byron owns any flukes. He he, he's like he's flukes. trying to get him to eat that glide bait or a, a, a tiny clash. He, he's just skipping over that. I think the one thing down south <clears throat> is I think a lot of the bigger reservoirs and rivers. I think you do have the opportunity to like move up and down the lake to avoid it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas like if I'm fishing an 800 acre lake, all of them, I mean, most of the fish are in the same <laughs> like phase. But if you're on like Kentucky or Barkley, right, like you can go from the south end and the north end, you know, what is that, like 60, 70 miles? Like you can, you could, you know, where one fish are in that immediate post spawn, you might be able to go find spawners in a different mm-hmm. part of the lake or even pre spawn, or you might be able to get fish that are further along where they're early summer. Yeah, usually so that, the south end of like our lake, they're so far apart. The south end is a, a degree or two warmer, which really makes no sense because the Tennessee River flows south to north, but because of geography, uh, the south end is a little bit warmer and we kind of always knew on the north end when that post spawn ledge bite was going to get good when the guys down south you start seeing fishing reports they're they're kind of moving out we knew we're like a week away and so the smart guys would be going ahead and graphing in the bays and trying to find where those fish are transitioning to yeah the trick here is like the senkos get a ton of bites the downside is you catch a lot of bucks and you sometimes burn through and I would be remiss if I didn't mention, like, so here's one thing I regret about last weekend is that I didn't have this with me and I didn't have this box with me. I didn't have my little wacky bands here. You gotta right? have a finesse box. What's that? You gotta have a finesse box. Well, Uh-oh. the thing is I didn't have my wacky bands or my wacky tools, so I couldn't put my little silicone sleeve over the dingers and Senko. So it was like a one or two fish. So, like, we were just ripping through. But the nice thing, I was in Bill's boat, and I was just ripping through his dingers and not my own dingers, oh, which yeah. was nice. So It's always better to play with somebody else's dingers. <laughs> dingers. Uh, but these pay for themselves. Uh, these little two pliers and the wacky shields, I mean, they're a must. This time of year, you're going to save yourself so many stick baits, whether it's the 48 or the Senko or the dinger or anything you got what's the what's the six cents one i always forget what that one's called uh yeah. the, the clout the clout worm. that one's pretty yes. good yeah one, one cool thing about the clout not to sound like a homer is the tails tapered a lot sure so if you don't have if you just got regular wacky rings the standard size mm-hmm. you could flip it backwards and you can thread the ring up into the sure. middle and then it holds good and you can do that with a Cinco too anything that's, yeah. that's tapered the Cinco's really like don't like that because they're so soft i mean like they a dinger or some of the little harder stick baits, you can slide the rings on without the tool. Um, and then you can also double them up, right? Make a little saddle. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I'm a big fan of the uh, the wacky band. Like for me, this is the most robust solution <laughs> and I get the most out of there, but that's just my preference. But there's a lot of good um, ways to do that. Uh, um, this is for Byron. This is a really good post farm bait, by the way. Somebody wants to know what a TK is. This is a tiny flash. If I were to tell you, it's not a glide bait. It's it's a swim bait, mm-hmm. but it fishes more like a 
jerk bait, and I got a hook buried in my finger. And so this is uh, this is they used to flip these things on the universe for quite a bit of money. I'm gonna, I hate getting them in and out of packages. Matthew's not a big fan of the TK, but but, but that is a <laughs> tiny clash in a nice post spawn color, tule perch. Nice. It's kind of a blue purple uh, Chartreur's belly. Uh, and some of the big swimbait gurus will tell you, uh, I insinuate big because Byron's a little like me, that post spawn is actually the best time to be throwing these glide baits. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not a guru, and I've actually scaled down my swimbait collection quite a bit, hence the word collection, to fishable baits. And. Uh, you know, we're going to try that out some. Uh, and I think it's, one, they're looking for a bigger meal to feed yep. up on after they spawn. And that swim bait is a, can be that gliding action or whatever is a slow, easy meal. Kind of the same thing you would think about in winter. Guys like them early pre-spawn. But yeah. post-spawn, I think those bluegill patterns, bluegill mimicking baits uh, are really good. And, of course, you know your gizzard shads on the Tennessee River baits. But... Don't sleep on those glide baits. Whether it's a you know twenty dollar S waiver um, or a seventy dollar tiny clash that I have to have Byron take me to go catch a fish on this thing. I'll have to admit I caught my first glide bait fish last weekend and it was on a Arashi. <clears throat> hey, those aren't bad. I see people bad mouthing them all the time. They're really not a bad glide. They sink a little fast. Yeah, uh, you gotta gotta get a. They're kind of tem temperamental, but. They're not a bad starter bait. If you want to save money, you've never thrown a glide bait, S waiver, Arashi Glide, uh, Savage Gear. Uh, Savage Gear makes some great uh, bluegill imitators too. So the uh, I actually threw the I've, I've caught fish on. I guess that's not true. I had caught fish on the 168 S waiver in the past, um, but I was throwing the 200 S waiver, and I actually liked. I didn't catch any fish on it, but I actually liked the way the bait worked better than the Arashi. Yeah, I, I like this waiver 200. Yeah. I thought um, it was an easier bait to work than the Arashi. <clears throat> oh, someone said Wanahoom is in the house? Oh, that's not me. <laughs> yeah, you're not, you're not rocking your Wanahoom hat tonight? Uh, no, it's in my, I think Bait Jr.'s wearing it. He think it's the Joker from Batman or something like that. Let's see. I'm, I'm reading comments. Yeah. So, I mean, the other thing I think, like, you know, depending on, like, how sparse your coverage, your vegetation, the Nico rig is a really good option, right? Yeah. Or, like, the whatever, the, the chicken rig or the naked baby child rigs, right? Like, you can weedless your Nico or whatever. Whatever uh, I can always promote on Instagram rig. Yeah, whatever one of the, the hundred rigs. But you can just a weedless Nico, all it really is, right? So that that's a good option. <clears throat> um, I mean, one of the things that I think is really good in the post-spawn, like immediate, like the wacky rigs, the Nico rigs, all that stuff is really good if you're really confident there's fish in the area or you're seeing them cruising or, you know, you see them fry guarding and things like that. But for me, uh, if I need to cover water, right, and a bluegill colored swim jig, like a quarter ounce bluegill colored swim jig. I'm trying to look for like a bluegill colored one in this box here that's handy. Right, this is a three-eighths ounce, but like something that's in a, a bluegill pattern to me, where I live, like in the pre-spawn, right, we're, we're like busting their heads with chatterbaits 
and spinner baits and things you know square bills and like we're we're covering water and we're you know like like here's a good color this river gill here um anything that's kind of that natural green pumpkin mm-hmm. bluegill for me you put a little menace scrub something subtle on the back of that and this is something i feel like i can actually cover water with but in that immediate post-spawn funk i can still generate a fair amount of bites Whereas I feel like the chatterbaits, the spinnerbaits, the squarebills, right after the spawn, them fish are like, yeah, kind of been getting hammered on. I've been, you know, beat on. I've been fish poking, you know, people fishing for me, like on beds. I've been seeing chatterbaits all spring. This is the time of year that I think a, a swim jig can really excel. Um, where you'll get, but you can still cover water and get a fair amount of bites with a swim jig. And then yeah. I think, you know, if you're down south and you're gizzard shad, right, then you can switch to white. You might you might go with more of a shad pattern. So it depends on your forage, right? You could do perch or bluegill or, or whatever your forage is. But the uh, the swim jig to me like really starts to shine in the post spawn. Yeah, it's uh it's something that's gotten a whole lot more popular here than in the past. And my swim jig skills would probably on a scale one to ten might be a four and a half, but it's either they're really biting it and I can catch them pretty good, or it's I'll pick something else up. Yeah, it's like if it's dead calm, <laughs> probably not. But if you just get a little bit of wind, a little bit of ripple, um, yeah. For me, if the wind blows, I'm going to turn to uh, you know a spinnerbait post spawn. Again, you can imitate, and this is—I'm not saying this is the best one, uh-huh. but this is a mega bass. Uh, it's not the SV3; it's the v, V9 twin. But it's compact. Can imitate a small threadfin shad. I can imitate a bluegill with that. And the cool thing about spinner baits, like a swim jig, is obviously you can have different color skirts, and uh, you can mimic all kinds of stuff. That's why you know, like this plasma table rock. You know, you've got a little bit of bluegillish in there, but you've got a little bit of shad. Uh, if I get the wind going, I'm not picking up a swim jig. I'll pick up a spinner bait now when the fish are pressured. Or like you say, they've had everything thrown at them. That's when that swim jig's a little yeah. bit better. And I think it depends on like a, what level of wind we're talking about, right? I'm like, if it's dead calm, I'm probably going to skip all of them, and I'm going to be throwing a, a shaky head or a Nico or a wacky, you know, something like. But if I get a little on the corner, and just get a little ripple, then I'm probably going to, you know, swim a jig. And then if I get an the other side of the lake and it's starting to get a little walleye chop, as we like to call it, then it's probably going to be like a spinnerbait or a chatterbait or something like that. <clears throat> Gramps has I, what what trailer I like on my spinnerbaits. Man, I'm I'm a pretty simple guy. Uh, when the hog farmer spunk shad come out uh, a few years ago, I really started using those a lot. Um, man, I, I use a sing. If I'm not using that, I like just a single tail grub. I know a lot of guys throw uh, swim baits on the back, like Kitex or or whatever. Me, I always have better luck with just a, a fat Albert grub, sure. or you can you know. Just something simplistic back there. Yeah, like that right there, man. Callens makes good grubs. I don't use a trailer hook unless I'm fishing a tournament. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like even this, then I don't always. This Arsenal Tactical Mantle is—it's a boot tail, but it's a flimsy little. Like it's yeah, it's a flukish type. You know, that's that's the kind of thing I like on a spinner bait. Um, yeah. It, if you can ever find some pearl white, like those old school worms that are kind of like, uh, you know, you find in a bargain bin at a mom and pop gas station that 
Uncle Jack poured 30 years ago where the pearl has kind of lost its luster. Those are great spinnerbait trailers. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, Adam. Swim jig, you know, if I guess it depends on, I guess I'm not sure where you're at, Adam, but, you know, one thing down where Bateman lives or in other parts of the country, a lot of times the post spawn can get propped up by the shad spawn, yeah. right? Like when you got a shad spawn going on, that like them fish, they're not going to spend much time in sulking and, and recovering when they can just like literally turn to the next little riprap bank or dock line or weed line and find like the shad piled up. They're, they're going to be opportunistic. So that changes thing. And I think up here where we've got bluegill, you know, they, they don't they'll have that shad to really trigger them. And that's, I think that's why swim jigs really deadly up here. Um, for me, like I mentioned is like, if you're catching spinner baits and you got a little wind and you get to a place where it gets a little slack and you lose your spinner bait, then try the swim jig. Um, where it gets just a little, little more bluebird. <laughs> I always say, like, think of a, a swim jig as like a finesse spinnerbait. When it's just like yeah. conditions get a little weird for a spinnerbait, then you drop, kind of drop back to the swim jig. I tell you, the swim jig's really gotten good around boat docks mm-hmm. here because our, our lakes change so much uh, that these bass post spawn instead of stopping out at humps and creek channel swings and stuff before they go to the main lake they're stopping at boat docks because that's where the bluegill are and yep. so uh the last couple of years uh it's a swim jig and, and just a natural color man a green pumpkin a watermelon with some purple in it just it doesn't have to be a bluegill color to imitate a bluegill i tell right. that to people all the time because you go out bluegill fishing you catch two dozen not a single one of them looks the same most of their backs are actually a bluish brown color yeah. and a uh, little bit of orange. Those bass, they're reacting. You know, they, they see something small swim by, they want to eat it. You know, there may be a bed 10 foot away from the dock because bluegill usually don't bed like under a dock. They'll bed in between the docks, you know. So, nice. um, and I think there's a little bit of like, I don't know, maybe it's just in my head or you like to like make fish be like people right but i like to think that like there's a little bit of retaliation right like oh yeah when the bass are on the beds the bluegills are up there and now it's like okay we're done like it's it's payback time right <laughs> yeah it's kind of like my kids that are fighting if you can hear them in the background my, my <laughs> daughter Anthony misses with my son all day so when it's about time to go to bed my dad my son misses with my daughter so anthony feels your pain <clears throat> i've been there anthony i've been there yeah. i i am i mean i I'm glad that I'm past that. <laughs> uh, yeah. A, a light Texas rig Senko can be really good as well. You know, that's, you know, a little 16th ounce on a Texas rig can be really good in the post bond as well. Letting that thing, it just allows you to fish a Senko a little bit deeper offshore, things like that. That's a really good option. Um, this is a good question. Ross, Rusty asked a little bit earlier, snotgrass. Um, where you get that slimy stuff. And I guess, I know it sounds like a broken record, but the weightless stick baits, right? Whether it's wacky rig or rigging it, you know, if I'm probably around a lot of snotgrass, I'm going to rig it Texas rig, weightless. Mm-hmm. Uh, one bait that I, I should have handy, like that, that I love in the post spawn is a, uh, a ring fry, a four inch yeah. lake fork ring fry wigged weightless. So like on a, on a, on a stick bait, right? I'll probably rig it like on a three yacht, like normal EWG hook, like, you know, kind of lightish wire. But then on like a ring fry, I'll put like a four or a five yacht EWG in it because it's kind of a little more buoyant. And so that acts as my weight. 
and I'll skip that thing and throw that around like old pads, you know, pad roots, uh, holes in the weeds around docks, skip it under, you know, willow trees and things like that. That, that is a killer bait comes through like that. Any kind of grass looks just like a bluegill profile. It's not intimidating to a fish, but it is like, it got a little more bulk. So I feel like it gets a big fish bite. Yeah, dude, that ring fry, that's a post-spawn Carolina rig machine. The only type of bait that's a really good post-spawn catcher, uh, I don't care if you're up north, down south, is a Carolina rig. Adjust your weight for the depth you're fishing. I like a little lighter weight if I'm fishing for smallmouth. But there's something about a Carolina rig. Number one, you can feel the bottom. And that bait is just sitting right in front of them. Dude, that guy right there. This thing... Make, I don't throw. I used to throw this like crazy. Now this isn't probably my favorite color. I probably like more like a watermelon or green pumpkin natural kind of color. But these things just slay. I sh- I need to throw these more. I've gotten away from them. They made a like, color like a bull brand that was really good. Yeah, watermelon yeah, candy. Like they got. Rest in peace, Mark Pack, man. You talk yeah. about one of the old school innovators in the soft plastic game. That's man. probably my favorite Mark Pack bait is the ring fry hands down he made a fluke and i got some up here yeah somewhere. they're the the fork shad right yeah, yeah. that's a really good bait that's before the magic shad craze that yamamoto had to you know make the zacco after and everything but that that lake fork shad was a good bait you could get it, the green pumpkin or watermelon i think already had the tail dip chartreuse yeah and this speaking of carolina rig the lake fork ring fry is amazing on a carolina ring Yes, it is. It is, you know, I I'm, I'm, I agree with Kyle Downey here. He says Carolina is painful. Man, it is painful, but, dude, you can sack them up. And, like, the smallmouth here, you know, two weeks ago, it's like it fired them up, you know. I got one bite, and all of a sudden got ten bites in an hour. A, a four-seven small A on a Carolina rig was a pretty fun fight, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> See, who else got uh... Gramps makes a comment and says Smalley's get mad after spawn. I actually think it's easier hot take easier to catch post spawn smallmouth than it mm-hmm. is largemouth. I think so too. For one, spawny uh, smallmouth linger on the bed way longer <laughs> than largemouth do. Um, like largemouth get up down two, maybe three days, maybe even less. Smallies they'll be on there for a week. Like they'll just I mean, you can find a small, big smallie on a bed on a Wednesday. It might still be there on Sunday, and uh, they do tend to get a little more aggressive. Like you can catch them on jerk baits and things like that pretty mm-hmm. quick after the uh, the spawn. Uh, speaking of jerk baits, great post spawn bait is a floating jerk bait, like the old Rapalas, the Long A. Those are really good, and you can get the high float Vision One Tens and stuff. Smithwick Rogue, the floating Rogue, post spawn. You guys watch MLF, you watch Bass, and what blows your mind is everyone's always taught you oh, pre-spawn jerkbait suspending. Man, these guys, especially now with the scoping, you're seeing lots of guys using that jerkbait post-spawn, catching a lot of fish. David, I haven't fished the ghillie, and I haven't bought a ghillie yet. <laughs> I've, I've got a pack. Uh... But this is the only size I have. This this is the Berkeley Gilly. I'm not going to... I don't know how to rig it as many times as Iaconelli did. I swear to God, he had a new rigging video every day for 60 days. 
I think he's just making stuff up as he goes, but he gets paid to do that. But I mean, it looks good. This is this. They call this HD pumpkin seed, but man, that looks like what we call a red ear or shell cracker here on Kentucky yeah. Lake. Uh, I haven't figured out where I want to use this, but I mean, other than bed and fish, why not? I always buy stuff I regret later. Maybe this isn't I, one of them. There's just even though we have a ton of gills for some reason, like gill shaped swim baits. Just don't seem to crush like you think they would. I don't know what it is. It seems like elongated body swim baits do better. Beavis says the gilly on a Carolina rig may be badass. That that sure. might be something to try. That's the cool thing about a Carolina rig. I don't know if there's ever been a best bait. I mean, obviously the lizard has caught tons of them, but uh, you can really experiment. And I feel like you can experiment on a fishing day with it. And you'll find that one bait they just really key on for a day or two, uh-huh. and then you got to change up. I, I've always been like a, a brush hog or, you know, a creature style bait, something that's got some longer legs that kind of swim. Yeah, for me, like, so like the wacky rig, the Neko, the Nikos, all that stuff are great when you kind of got sparse cover. But for me, when I like, we get a lot of like pond curl up. My, my Minnesota people will know uh, Wisconsin like curly leaf pondweed overtakes a lot of our lakes mm-hmm. and so you got to do a lot of like dipping and dunking and little holes and pockets they're going to be sitting in their garden fry or just laying in there lazy kind of recovering or and uh the baby brush hog is a just a freaking slayer i'm like is a, that watermelon gold i think this one's mardi gras mardi gras but, uh, yeah that... didn't we have a chat in your discord about the mardi gras yeah that's yeah one? that's a good color she's got it's got it's like kind of a watermelon yeah. A shade of watermelon lighter. Yeah. Almost an amber with some gold and a little purple, a little blue flake in there. And I'm a big fan. Like, a lot of people like straight green pumpkin, straight watermelon. I just like a little bit of something that makes it shimmer like a bluegill. And whether the bass care or not, it gives me confidence. Uh, and that's all that really matters. But this thing, just three sixteenths, quarter ounce weight maybe at the most. Yeah. A little three-aught kind of medium wire hook, and you just fish it really slow around and it just gets bit like dude and it catches strike, good ones. strike king king game hog yeah it's a really really good bait you know absolutely the I, game I, hog is like a the, the i don't know the, there's the smaller size game hog mm-hmm. is like a i don't know a quarter bigger than this i don't know like it's just like a it's like a 1.25 of the baby brush hog it's just got a little more yeah. meat on it they got a magnum game hog, which yeah. is like the size of a big brush hog, and then yeah. a regular game hog is, you know, quarter scale up from the baby brush yeah. hog. But I like it because it the body moves really well, and it's uh, got a little bigger. It's like if this is like a quarter inch diameter, then the game hog's like five sixteen. So yeah. there's a little more meat for your hook. Um, if and you're I do like that they scent. got a magic craw color. That new yeah. magic craw red flake game hog. If you like laminate colors, there are better colors in the game hog, mm-hmm. for sure. And if you like coffee scent, or you think fish like coffee scent, then that's a bonus. Um, yeah, that's a. I think a if you like, like the, you're right there. Rig. I think Zoom's got those transparent watermelonish, mm-hmm. lots of flake colors down. But if you want more of flat matte laminate stuff, Striking's way to go there. I mean, we can talk about creature baits and post spawn all yeah. show. I mean, you know, it got 
missile. I, I use a D bomb. So I guys flip it. I'll swim a D bomb. It's really good on the back of a swim jig, by the way. Uh, you got their destroyer. You got the reaction innovations. Uh, what is it? Spicy beaver, kinky beaver. I mean, big bite, fighting frog, mad packa. Dude, yes. right there, spicy beef, man. Yeah. <clears throat> hey, girl. Brooke smacked you. <laughs> Are you snitching again? Yeah, you better get inside. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I like all kinds of creatures, but I feel like these bigger, fuller creatures are like a week or two away for me. Like, when it's like it's tough, it's hard for me to pass up. When they start to eat again, then I like to pick up those like flappier things. Um, let's see here. Um, Bass, ever use a six sense team six rod or lux rod? I have both. I was uh, replying to him uh, in the chat. Uh, so I really like the lux for moving baits. Uh, really like the way the crankbait rods are designed. They're moderate action rods. I got one I throw a chatterbait on quite a bit. They're very light. Um, and then I have a Team 6. I haven't spent much time with it. It's a 7-1 medium heavy. Uh, I threw a swim jig on it the other day. Worked pretty good. And threw a spinnerbait on it. And I like it. Uh, are they a high-end G. Loomis or a high-end Dobbins? No, but for what I'm doing, they work fine. So. Yeah. Speaking of finesse creatures, right, if you're looking for something sneaky like that baby D-bomb, I actually like this as a jig trailer. It like a finesse type jig, like it gives me a nice little bluegill profile. They actually named that after Byron, as well. So he's the baby. The D baby D. He's the baby D of missile baits. <laughs> oh, he says, "Stay tuned for a chunky D at iCast." Yeah, I'll be giving my wife a chunky D here in about Whoa. thirty minutes. Sorry, dad joke. I might get kicked <laughs> off here. That's a joke. Everybody's everybody's taking the low hanging fruit. <laughs> On that one. <laughs> I mean, you got to. You got to have fun on here. <clears throat> but no, uh, Byron also told me about a bait. Uh, if you don't know Hellabass, it's uh, going to be a collaboration between Robo Worm and Missile yeah. for a straight tail bait. Really excited about that. I hate when my webcam like gets out of focus and then doesn't want to come back. Come on. Right. I'm all up in focus. The guys down in Iowa just think it's the bush lights they're drinking, but it's actually my webcam. The Stubby D. Actually, that's a great bait name. Stubby D. We could, uh, could I feel like we've been neglecting. I've been showing these baits, but I've been failing to put them on the bait cam. So you got two webcams, and you got the bait cam there? Yeah, I'm actually using a phone and logging that into StreamYard to do that. Look at you go, Rich. Yeah. So we can... I thought about going to ICAST this year. I got all this vacation time I haven't used, but my wife, I, I, well, what I wanted to do is pawn my wife into going, sending her and the kids to the beach there at Orlando, and I would just get Byron to come pick me up. Why? Won't my camera come back? Usually it snaps out of itself. <clears throat> come on, camera. Yeah. The magic worm. The I've magic heard John Cruz talk about that on a few podcasts about. It's like they said, Roboworm is really good at making baits, but they're not good at promoting baits, and that's why they wanted to have Missile Baits collab with them on that. Well, here's the thing about Roboworm. What kind of promotion they need? It's like the best drop shot bait ever known to man. Like, everybody buys Roboworms. 
there for there for uh, a couple years there on Tennessee River, dude. We sold more rubble worms than Zoom because it got tough and everybody went to drop shotting and dude. I remember when Alex Davis, I was in a tackle shop. I was running an online store. And, you know, I got updates to my phone. And it's sucker ding. And so, yeah, I knew order from Alex Davis. Ordered 50 packs of Morning Dawn Red Flake, which was about 30 more than we had. And I called him and said, hey, I don't have all these. He said, well, I'll be down in like a week. I'm just making sure I get them and nobody else does. So I called Pittman Creek Wholesaler. And I'm like, hey, do you have any more of these Morning Dawn Red Flakes? And they're like, yeah, how many need? I'm like, 60 packs. And I'm like, why in the world would anybody need those on Kentucky Lake? Alex Davis made top 10. So, there you go. Fishing the Southeast says, uh, fishing and lunch on him. Dude, absolutely. Guys. I don't think I'm going to make it this year, uh, but I'd love to go. But uh, it's definitely in the works. I have missed it the last few years, but I just kind of get burnt out on it. But I like to see my friends like Byron and Mr. Cruz and the guys from Daiwa and other places just just to hang out i'm not a big i'm not a big party guy i just i go for the baits i assume that's what we're talking about with the chunky d is this uh the bigger version of the mini d daniel i could be wrong yeah the way byron explains it's a little bit small it's just a fatter fuller version kind of like you got uh uh, the zoom small salty and then the big salty chop yeah, I got I I played around with quite a few fish on the mini D chunk. I haven't got a ton of jig bites this year, but I, I like what I see so far. Uh, yes, yeah, this top toad ask about smallmouth, super clear visibility, jerk baits, drop shots, neds, and uh, I would swim say bait. a little, or even so, I was either go bigger swim baits or go two point eight type. Yeah, right. Like you go one extreme or the other. So it's pretty wild. It's, it's, it's cool that you say that because when I set off to fish that tournament with my partner, and he used to give me all kinds of shit for throwing swim baits. I mean, literally cussed me one time in the Triton tournament for throwing a bass tricks. We got there, and he said, well, I'm going to tell you what you're eating. I said, all right. He said, you're going to like this. I said, well, hit me. He said, a swim bait and a Carolina rig. I said, well, I'll throw a swim bait. He said, well, you got to throw this one. And he pulls out some awful-looking rage swimmer, dipping a tail chartreuse, I don't even know where he got the swim bait heads. He probably got them at Walmart. And I'm like, yeah, bro, I ain't throwing that. I said, that's all on you. He said, you're going to throw a Carolina rig and I said, over a swim bait? And I said, yeah. Now, he caught several fish, but they weren't that big. But uh, that small 2.8 to 3.3 size post-spawn, especially deep, clear water, post-spawn smallmouth will eat the snot out of those things. If you don't believe me, ask Brian Thrift. He's won a lot of money doing that. Sure. I guess don't want to forget to thank Arsenal Fishing and Omnia for supporting the stream and the channel. Shout out to Quick Bills guys so we don't forget about that. Uh, the yeah, Ecstasy. Boy. Oh, go ahead, Payman. Hey, I was going to say the X. I got to. I finally spooled Ecstasy. I took it out Sunday, and I got to to set many, many times on the Ecstasy out didn't exactly get on a dragon bite where I like really got to like leverage its sensitivity, but uh, is it a rod you need? But no, but if it's, if you want to splurge and have a little luxury, it's a pretty sweet rod. And it was, it was a pleasure to fish all day on Sunday. There's nothing wrong with uh, having high end gear, by the way, 
I see a lot of people talking smack on the internet and like, Whoa, yeah, I think it's like you don't need high end gear. You don't. That's true. But you shouldn't be. <laughs> nobody should get on you for liking it, right? right? Or I mean, it's kind of like, like throwing wheels on your truck. Do you need new custom wheels? No, but if you want to have them, have them. Yeah. Do you want to chrome out your Harley? Yeah. Right. Like, do you want like the people that like change the decals and the color plates on their motor so it matches their boat? Do you need that? No, but like, <laughs> right? Like, I do it's like o- that. It's okay uh, to have accessories on your truck. Just don't squat it. So you can have a nice high-end rod and reel. Just don't put a Gomex's handle on it. There you go. Yeah, I appreciate that the Omnia carries the uh, the bulk D-bombs, which is really nice. They got it going on over there. So I had this idea. Well, you watched my stream from last time. You've probably seen the idea of maybe getting some tackle shop owners and stuff. To, yeah. To come on. We'll do streams with them. We can have a fatal three-way. Maybe get your guy from Omni because I have a deal with Tackle Warehouse, but it's a non-exclusive deal. They're cool like that. They know yep. Bateman's pretty non-biased. Dang, 140 guys in here. That's awesome. Make sure you all smash the like button for Rich. This is three times I've been on YouTube in four days, so I don't really know what's going on. Just, my channel is going to go to crap, so. <clears throat> This 2.8s. Uh, I think the one thing you want to do is make sure you don't have too long of a hook shank. That's the big thing, right? Like on a 2.8, you want to make sure that you have a reasonably short hook shank so you're not like impeding the action of the tail. That's probably the biggest thing. Guess what? Other than that, as long as it's. I'm going to show you. Guys. A lot of people love the Okashira for that type of stuff. Do you need to spend Megabass money on that jig head? Probably no. not. There's. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Find one here. Remember I said uh, I've got a box full of stuff. Finesse box. This one works really, really good. It's great for 2.8s and Kitech 3.3s. Shout out to Scottsboro Tackle. This is their Hellfire Jig Head. Alright. Now, this isn't the Jason Christie one with the Troco Hark. So, you got a nice ball head here. Uh-huh. And you got a little screw on there. We're just going to rig her up like this right here. I always go about just past the middle, pull this thing out. And you can just spin her up here just like you would do any other screw lock. And you're fixing to have a nice finesse swim bait. Oh, yeah. Now, that's a heavier one. Uh, owner makes a lockdown head with a little bit smaller hook. But that right there, I think that's a, a quarter ounce. That's uh, a quarter ounce. So you can fish that deep. If you're fishing on a six, eight pound test fluoro, that right there is going to let that uh, little Kitex swim really, really good. But that's a. Uh, Scottsboro Hellfire Swimbait Head. It's designed for the 2.8 and 3.3 Kitex. You can put it on a 3.8 too, but it, sure. to, that's kind of what I like. Small yeah, hook. Once, once you get up to the 3.8s or 3.8, you have a lot of options for a jig head. You can get away with a much bigger hook. Yeah, here's that owner lockdown head. It's got even a little bit smaller hook. These got really hard to get, but it's got that kind of keeper on it. 
and it makes it kind of hard on the 2.8 Kitex because they're not real wide. But you can push it up there. There you go. There's the owner lockdown. That's a really, really good one. Got a situation. I'll be right back. No problem. Oop. <laughs> He'll be back. <clears throat> yeah, we'll, we'll touch on the sleeper gill when he gets back. Uh, Memorial sale at TW in effect. I guess whatever you want. If I guess you can look for things that Omnia doesn't have in stock because I think it's what 15% off tackle warehouse and you can pretty much get that at omni anytime with the code that's scrolling on the screen right down there adam so i would look for things that are unique that uh, tackle warehouse maybe has that maybe omni doesn't um yeah gramps tournament i got a little little fun tournament the prior lake open the prior lake hook setters open fishing with my buddy bill he invited me he's in that club and he wants somebody to fish with him so this saturday i'm fishing tournament on prior lake and then after that, I think uh, June 24th, 25th, 26th, somewhere in there, we got a, another TBF team trail tournament up on Mohamedou Alexandria chain. Hopefully we have my boat by then. So I don't have any firm dates. I saw some people asking about the boat. Um, so hopefully that's soon. I, I sent a text in to Aaron and I didn't hear back from him on Tuesday. So I might have to send another text tomorrow. Fish in the Southeast says, uh, wacky rigged four inch Kitek. Interesting. Haven't tried that. Uh, I have not heard about the bamboo bear wacky clip, Joe. Not familiar with that. That might have to be something I have to look up. The coontail worm is kind of like a slender uh, ring fry. I've caught some fish on the coontail worm. Hasn't been amazing, but uh, yeah, Victoria, Victor, we did talk about them. I've, I've dabbled with the mid-sized brush hog. I think it's definitely got a place. That immediate post spawn around here, I really like that baby brush hog, but I think as a Carolina rig bait or kind of just a regular summer bait, I think that midsize is really going to be a good bait. I, I definitely bought several packs of those. Um, I think I got a pack, watermelon candy midsize brush hog. I definitely have them. I just don't have them anywhere near me right now. I'm just kind of one of those dudes that I like the game hog. So yeah, for me, buying a midsize brush hog is really kind of... The, ga the game hog is really like halfway between the baby brush hog and the midsize, I guess. Yeah. Um, I can't say that I fish tidal. Don't have much experience with that, uh, Matthew. But as far as like river fishing, I go back to that swim jig. That that bluegill, that white and chartreuse swim jig is really good on the Mississippi River post spawn to cover water and find fish. And then you can slow down and do other tactics once you find them. But I... I River situations are one of my favorite places to cover water with a swim jig until they get on that frog bite. I'm going to be a, I, I, I'm going to tell you, a uh, tidal buzz bait. You know, timing that uh, the water fluctuation, high tide, low tide, high tide covering a lot of water with a buzz bait post spawn. It's a pretty good way to go. Uh, I'm not, I don't have any tidal water here, so I'm going to regurgitate information that I've learned from. Sure. people that are good there yeah joe we touched on this a little bit earlier but uh my number one thing <clears throat> for not losing so many senkos dingers clouts whatever your beta choice is is the the arsenal 
tube shield. So if you can look there, there's a little clear band silicone. It's almost hard to see there. And I hook through two walls of that. And then it allows me to keep my bait or my hook perpendicular. That's what I like about it. Like when you use a single O-ring, you end up rigging it parallel. And I don't like that way that hooks fish and things like that. So you get a little tool like this. And then you get uh, keep some bands here <laughs> in the box. I think it's like the seven millimeter is the best for Senkos. So you just slide this on there. You open that up. You slide your stick worm in there. Put that band on there and you put the hook through it. That's my number one way to not burn through Senkos. So just a quick refresh on that. Uh, where were we? Wacky Rig Glide Bait slays them. That sounds interesting. Second tournament. Good luck, Chris. This sounds like a, a block it hack, cutting the heads off your brush hogs. Which Strike King plastic creature bait had a flapper on the side and curly on the end? Uh, the What's that? The Smoking Rooster, maybe? The Rage Shellcracker is a really good bait that no one ever talks about. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's a rage. It's like a smoking rooster or something like that. What, Neely? Why, I love rooster why do you have a candy cane? It's the middle of summer. <laughs> it's got a horde. It's been hoarding them. Um, I love spinnerbaits. Yeah. You love spinnerbaits? Wow, Neely. Your vocabulary in the bait dictionary is getting big. She knows how to get Dad's heart. She's like, I love... I love purple and chartreuse spinnerbaits, Dad. She says, yeah, I'll be five soon. Well, let's see if we can get this candy cane open for you. It's like your bedtime. Yeah, the centipede, that is a good underrated bait. Like, talk about something that's going to get you a bite when things are tough post-spawn. Zoom centipede. Any of those little baby ring fries, things like that, for sure. Split shot rig up shell. For yeah. some reason, I don't know why, but they like it on a split shot. Oh, yeah. Which is basically like a quick version of a Carolina rig with no rattles or anything. Uh, I think they're going to fly off the shelves because I think it's a lot of hype, to be honest with you. That's my opinion on the Mega Bass Sleeper Gill. Um you know, Savage Gear's got the Pulse Tail Gills and all that stuff, and then you got Mega Bass basically making the same thing, and people are going to buy it because it says Mega Bass. I mean, I like the Dark Sleeper. It catches fish. Um, but it's hard to keep the Mega Bass fanboys away. They're going to buy it whether they use it or not. And maybe it's because of the success the Mag Drafts had, people will put their eggs in a basket for it. Anyway, this thing keeps falling apart. <laughs> I don't know, Adam. I, I can't say that I've seen any reduction in bites with the, the bands. Like, I don't think it affects the worm. The clear ones, I don't... Can you even, like... Can you see a band? I feel like they're less... I feel like, you know, those are way more intrusive looking on the bait than a, a clear band. But... Uh, bait man, what's the Tim best says, OG uh, crankbait for... Go ahead. Let's get Tim. Really? He says he doesn't like bands. He thinks he doesn't get bites. It changes the action. Hmm. I don't, I've never fished the chick. <laughs> uh, man, Chickamauga is probably fixing to be a 6XD 
deep cranking cloud 20 dt20 lake hit that crankbait bite scrounger's really good post spawn out deep on on chickamauga all right space monkey yeah that's a really that's menendez favorite i, will, I think he was saying is like was that what that bait the guy was asking about maybe? yeah might have been all right, the best OG crank for post spawn. Well, when you say OG, I'm going to say uh, not made in the last 10 years. I've won more money, and I've said this many, many times on stream, on a DT-16, and I consider that kind of OG now, than any other crankbait out there. Now, is it my favorite one to throw? No, it's pretty high up there. I catch a lot of fish on it. But... Uh, the DT-16 is really, really good. The parrot color, bluegill, uh, they made a white with a green back. Just money. It, for some reason, that DT-16, it, it doesn't have any... It's got a really faint rattle in it. it but it comes through cover. Uh, it's got a, a, a different profile. You know, it's kind of tall and it's, it, it's flat but tall. I mean, I got several of them right up here. Whereas the 6XD, your, your Lucky Crafts, your 6 cents, they got more of a straight shad profile where that DT-16's almost got like a bluegill, mm -hmm. that hump back profile. Yep. Man, something about when you bust some brush or hit a stump with one of those, man, it, they just do something awesome. Catch a lot of fish. Let's break a few of them. I actually just got a Cadence on 44, but I haven't even spooled it up yet. But I imagine that's a rod that I would definitely flip these baby brush hogs on tubes small creature baits like just texas rigs up to three eighths maybe half but it's gonna probably be like my quarter three eighths texas rig rod would be a good swim jig rod um i mean really versatile rod. i do a lot of things with a 744 honestly i love the dobbins champion 744 it's a badass yeah that's the rod. jig special rod the, the, the champ 744 definitely is going to hit harder than the caden 744 there's just like the 744 champ is like a four and a half. <laughs> uh, it's almost a five. Uh, I did. I didn't even know the uh, the league was fishing. I guess Walters is leading on Watts Bar today. Did not know that. Yeah, I, I missed that one. Sheldon Collins is second. Sheldon's a good fisherman. Yeah, I remember watching Sheldon on Ufala a few years ago, where he almost won, maybe five years ago. In, yeah, uh, man, that FLW. was like a heartbreaker deal. That's yeah. that's the one Latimer come back and won, correct? Yeah, I think it might have been. I thought Sheldon had it back. He had a mega sack, too. He had, like, a 28-pound sack. Yeah, he, he just, like, day four, he just hit a wall and then, like... Hmm. There's good comments. No, I like good comments. It gets me way off track, but I like good comments. Yeah. I have I bought some hybrid hunters, but I haven't used them yet. I have a couple of the swanks as well. I threw those a little bit on Pickwick, but I don't feel like I was in the right place at the right time. But I don't know. I'm not a big fan of that style bait on the Tennessee River. Well, let me take that back. On Kentucky Lake, it's a grass deal. Yeah. That swank, uh, hybrid hunter, the way that lit, that's a grass deal. Uh, I threw it in Lake X where there's some grass and, and caught a few fish. Sure. And, dude, it's loud. Both of them are loud. Same kind of deal. Uh, they're both good baits, but it is a niche bait, as in I'm not going to go crank rip rap with it. Yeah, no, it's it really seems to excel. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, 
hydrilla seems to be it's like that crispy hard weed yeah. and i would think maybe at times when you got really good milfoil up here there would be a place i just haven't played around with it and one uh, thing you can do with that bait you can use it as a top water i didn't believe it and then i got shown it by somebody because sure. you can pop it in place and it just back and forth <laughs> it's pretty wild Graham's caught some on the hybrid hunter. Uh, Ohio played with weeds and grass. Is it like an eelgrass, Big John? Because like on the Mississippi River up here, a swim jig kills an eelgrass. Um, toads, like ribbits, uh, horny toads, things like that. If you want to cover water, otherwise, you know, flipping a light Texas rig, right? Like these baby brush hogs and things like that, tubes, things like that, that slips in and out of the grass really easy. A light Texas rig on a stick bait, things like that are all really good. In no, grass. it's a good one for grass is a cutter worm. Mm-hmm. Any kind of speed worm, rage cutter worm. Uh, for some reason, you can rig it up on like an eighth ounce sinker, EWG hook, throw it out there, just slow roll it back, just pause, let it fall. Man, that that's a good good deal on a grass. Hey, what's in the big gulp? Uh, Diet Mountain Dew. Diet Dew. I, I don't drink alcohol, so. This no, is uh... no offense to anybody that does. I just made a lifestyle change a few years ago, and I've dropped a lot of pounds, so I'm gonna keep at it. Diet Dr Pepper with a little bit of uh, extra. You ever like go to the gas station? Like I'll get a good Diet Mountain Dew, and they'll have all those like instant shots you can put in there i'll i'll, I'll, hit, I'll hit the diet mount do a little hit of lime sometimes there you go it gives a little extra kick i like to mix a little like i like to mix like a a little bit of regular do with my diet do in the fountain like a taco bell do like 10 percent regular do and 90 percent diet do oh man i see wiggle work combat comments i'll have to shut her down 3XD underrated crank. I like the Series 3 better than the 3XD. Mm-hmm. Seems like Gramps has catching on everything that you recommend. I, know, I need to go to... Where, where are you fishing, Gramps? I need to go up there. Southern Indiana, right? Yeah, he's not too far. I was in Hobstot about three weeks ago. I don't think I... It, Gramps, how far are you from Hobstot? It's just outside Evansville. Oh, uh, let's see. <laughs> that reminds me like dude i assume everybody does as a kid when you'd like go to 7-eleven or super america or whatever right and like you just like literally just like put like a little bit of every fountain the graveyard <laughs> yeah yeah you, you're when i was playing baseball man everyone got snow cones afterwards go cool, i want the graveyard i want a little everything <laughs> What did we call it? We called it something else. I don't remember what it was. There's some good spots around Evansville, Gramps. Like, you're around Henderson, Kentucky, man, where that backwater gets out. Yes. There's all kinds of nice, like, strip former strip pits and stuff out there. That's, That's what we called it, the suicide. Yeah. The, yeah, at the skating rink, it was, give me the suicide. If you got a snow cone, I want a graveyard. Chad says swamp water. Swamp water. I like that. And Chad's from Minnesota. He would know. That that sounds like a good bait name, swamp water. 
See, it's when you get the hard-hitting questions, you get the people that have been watching all night and didn't comment, but then they couldn't resist when they had to, the way in on the swamp water. Mm-hmm. You know, we haven't talked about it a whole lot because I, I actually plan on talking about this on my stream Sunday night. Is is post-spawn, one of the best baits, and you saw it from Mr. Lee Livesey. Mm-hmm. This is just a random bait here. And he is a deep-diving crankbait. And this is a Spro. This is the Super DD90. So this is a lot of guys don't talk about. This sucker casts good, uh-huh. but it's got a really tight wobbling action. Uh, does not pull hard. This is one of the least pulling deep diving current beats you'll ever put in your hand. To me, in my, my opinion. But, you know, post-spawn, to me, a big deep diving crank bait, you hit gold. Like... You're looking for gold, and when you find those fish out deep on a big crankbait, you can load the boat in five minutes. It can be at you know a bunch of 15 inches, or you catch a 25, 26 pound bag. And there's so many different deep crankbaits out there, but one you can cover water really fast, and you seem to attract the most aggressive post spawn fish out there. Now things yeah. have changed, and guys, you know, target those fish with swim baits and electronics and stuff and that's fine but i always feel that a big crankbait is king of post-spawn like you, you saw livacy you've seen van dam you've seen so many guys pull out a big crankbait john cruz and just go to town but you're looking to find that pot of gold you know it uh you cover water and you can find fish with the deep crankbait uh which some of these other techniques it's hard to just find fish with a brush hog you know what i mean you uh-huh. can go down a bank and get some bites. But when you get offshore, your, your crankbait, that, a Carolina rig, those fine fish. Even a swim bait, you'll get some a lot. You get some followers and you can find a school. But, dude, that crankbait, it's mean. And there's so many colors out there, but I don't care what brand you buy, whether it's up south or north. As long as it's got chartreuse and a blue, purple, or black back, you can catch fish on it. Yeah, I- Deep cranking is hit and miss up here. We got so much grass, it's hard. Right. To like... So your deep crank is totally different. You're not trying to grind the bottom, and or you are, but you like you're not gonna like go down a ledge, right? Right. Like you're gonna pull up and look for a hard spot that's Correct. very specific off the edge of the weed. And you're gonna make like a cast on it or a couple of casts. You're not gonna cover water with it. A deep crank. You can cover water with a DT six over the shoulder of the weed line or something like that and find fish, but it's, you're not going to just like burn down the weed line with a, you know, right. DT 16. So a little bit different, but. Uh, yeah. That's just uh North versus South, yeah. you know? Um, and I, I'm going to tell you some of the biggest smallmouth I've seen caught on the Tennessee river or on crankbaits during the summer. Uh, I saw a six pounder. I netted it eight to 10 XD like, no, I'll say our mouth. Smalley Lakes, where there's not as much grass, you're not going to necessarily throw a deep plug, but like a, a DT10, yep. uh, that type of stuff, a rock crawler, or, you know, some of that o- kind of stuff. OSP, you, you, the old yeah. Blitz DR. Yeah. Those smallmouth up north, they tend to like those baits that dive 10 to 12 foot, but not really big bodies. Yeah, JJ, I think that's the, when they get on those loud baits, like, I think that's the, the early summer. That's when they're getting... <laughs> off the post bond into the early summer when they're like they went from sulking and now they're hungry and mm-hmm. that's when like poppers topwaters loud 
square bills, things like that really start to turn back on is that early summer when they like kind of like flip the switch and they turn the feedback back on to, re, you know, cover. Um, yeah, I don't think Strike King's going to make a 15 XD. <laughs> uh, I think, uh, I think 10, six, five, six, eight, and 10 is all you're going to get in a three. I, I like the GTA. GTA a little bit. I haven't caught much on it. I don't know that I've had the right situation, but I mean, seems fine. Cast pretty. I mean, it's like a DT6. It's just a d- dives a little deeper. I know TK said he didn't like that they straightened the bill angle out. The they angle changed the bill angle, so he's not a big fan of that. But dude, like Maynard says, deep cranking in North Carolina. That's that's like deep crank big country. Mm-hmm. Lots of deep diving bosses over there, like Jeff Coble and yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, Oh, David Fritz? Yeah. What? Uh, I want to watch TV. Okay. I haven't watched it yet. I like I just watched. How come when I come home to talk to you, you don't want to talk, and I get on YouTube and <laughs> and you want to have conversations? Uh, I want free. Come here. I did three minutes about the TV and I... My kids never want to talk to me, so... Uh, That's a good question, Chris. I guess the clearer the water, the more natural, like, I'll... I kind of, like, to me, I pick my jig color as, like, a neutral, and then I, like, dial it up or down water clarity based on the jig trailer. Right, so I'll like typically throw something, you know, in a little bit dirtier water. I'm gonna pick something like more of like a Okeechobee Crog, Green Pumpkin Blue, in a more natural water. You know, I'm gonna go with more like just this like brown green pumpkin, right? And so like in clean water, this is gonna get a watermelon trailer, and kind of stained water is gonna get a green pumpkin trailer, and darker water it's gonna get black and blue or a 1099 right and then same thing with this right like this is gonna you know Don't come out here with that stained shoot. water and then okay, just ramp it up so i guess that's how i treat jig trailers i like get my base colored jig about where i want it and then based on the conditions the clouds the sun i kind of dial it up and down with my trailer now i'm gonna throw like three colored jigs Black and blue, green pumpkin chartreuse, and a bluegill color. I do not put eyes on my Scottsboro owner jig head. I just leave them lead. I don't think it matters to the fish. Because all these guys used to use like the revenge jig heads or the six inch uh-huh. ones that's got eyes on them. And then you put them on a bass trick so you got a four eyed fish. They still eat it. So I'm just like. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big believer in plain swim bait heads like. I do not think it really matters. I know there was, I heard some talk about uh, for the Miki rigging, right? Which is not swim baits, right? Right. But there is like a big push for those moon eye VMC mm-hmm. with those really big eyes. And that's a different technique where you're just holding it in front of their face. Now I can see where maybe that makes a bigger difference. Like they're just like. I think you're probably because you're trying to imitate like a, a little thread fin or LY for something like that. And those fish are pretty skinny but they got pretty decent size eyes on them or baby gizzard and and you're not really moving it it's right you're really just sitting there holding it in front of a fish and just 
Not even, not even as much action as a drop shot. It's just, you're like trying to tickle their nose, and all of a sudden they bite it. Yeah, I mean, how many times is like a crankbait, right? That you've like literally they've chewed the paint off of it. You can't see an eyeball oh, or yeah. anything, and they just eat it better and better and better, right? I think things that are moving, it's more in our head. I could say maybe the things where it's sitting right in front of their face that uh, that's where those eyes might matter more. <clears throat> Like on a bedfish, right? Like maybe a, I think that's times where that, like maybe that uh, warmouth or some of those other baits where they really look like a bluegill, it could matter at times. Right. I don't know. How many bass have you caught with a one eye? I've caught a lot of blind bass. Yeah. Baitfish are the same way. They ain't all got two eyes. Yeah. Those are the ones I need to catch. Like they can't get a good look at. They got, they're easier to trick. Yeah. Yeah. I thought Rich had 10,000 subscribers. That's how little I've been paying attention. All I know is I gain like one a month now. So. Well, that's about as many times as you stream, so that's about right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I get a, one subscriber every time I stream. I, I, I'm trying, man. It's, it took a new job, and yeah. it is what it is. We're trying to get up in a new boat next year sometime if gas ain't $8 a gallon. Or it might be a good time. Like you might find some people that are going to give you a good deal on a slightly used one if it's eight dollars a gallon. That's an interesting topic that would be for another stream. What is going to go on with the boating industry? Are we going to see ridiculous prices because there's still shortage of materials, or are people going to start canceling orders? Are they going to start selling their the boats they've got twenty year payments on for dirt mm-hmm. cheap? It, who knows? I mean, we saw that in like 04 to 08, the boat market market dipped quite a bit and got flooded. Uh, but Adam says when he watches underwater footage, the first thing he notices is the eye. I, I kind of agree with that. Sure. But then you're also not a fish, Adam. <laughs> uh, I don't have any of the new Yum! Scottsboro collabs. I don't know. Have you grabbed any of those? No, I haven't. Uh, I've seen them in person. They're basically, they're not the same material as what uh, Tim's porn you're, you're, you're a little partial to the Scottsboro, Scottsboro. Yeah, I like the OG Scottsboro. But uh, I've seen swim videos, and they swim good. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just uh, I think it was a really good collaboration because it's going to expose a lot of guys to that Scottsboro swim bit. And they go, whoa, what are these guys making? I've been catching them on this rig. Let me try this one. And so it works out. Dude, I did get I did get one because I'm at like 17,600 now. I, which is about where I was last year, dude. I gained a lot of videos. I'm not like gained like 300 subs when I did the Randy rants. People yeah. want watch that stuff. Like maybe I should make a video on Bigfoot or aliens. I'll tell you what, Lauren, I never caught them on the Risto wraps, but there are a lot of people that like them. So if you're just sitting on a bunch of Risto wraps. You can put those on Facebook Marketplace or eBay and get yourself a pretty good return on your investment if you want. You know, Bateman got a Risto wrap and hot mustard. That going to catch him. This is more of a wintertime bait for me. Winter, pre-spawn, I like the Risto wrap. Let's see. Bateman. Oh, Robert. Um, I would say, like, we can touch on it quick. Go back and watch... I don't know, maybe a month ago I did a, uh, a stream with Aaron Teal from Intune Marine, and we talked all about boats for like two hours. But it really depends on your budget, your tow vehicle, where you're fishing, 
I mean, honestly, if you're fishing little lakes and you're not a tournament angler or you're just fishing Tuesday nighters or region, like small stuff, like a 150 is like just fine. Like an 18, 19 footer with a 150 is going to be way, way more economical, lower cost of operation, things like that. But if you have aspirations of fishing Toyotas, BFLs, things like that, then you're going to probably want to be in at least a 19 footer with a 200 or something a little bigger. There is no replacement for displacement. <laughs> if you can afford and manage a 200 horsepower go with it yeah but then if again you if you don't hey I, I had a 150 mare on a 884 dc nitro for six years and beat the shit out of my back and i caught a ton of fish out of that boat and it would Absolutely. maybe run 58 never had issue out of that motor oh carb motor spun a hub that's it and that's the thing is where do you live right if you love like in Brainerd and you got 300 lakes within a half an hour drive. And the biggest one is 1300 acres. <laughs> you don't need a 200, right? Like an 18 footer no. with a 150, a little Nexus aluminum boat, or, you know, like, I mean, you're going to slay. Like, yeah, I feel like if, if I didn't live on the Tennessee river, that's known for offshore fishing where the wind is going to blow. You're going to have to fight the waves. If I lived up your area in Illinois, maybe parts of Nebraska, Kansas, uh, or places where shallow fishing kind of dominates quite a bit, those lakes don't get near as bad. Uh, notice I didn't say Texas because those lakes get really rough. Yeah. So I think an 18, 19 footer with a 175, 200 is about all I need because there are some advantages to that smaller boat. Uh, especially this time of year, post-spawn, not a, every bass runs out deep. You can get in the nooks and crannies and up creeks and around docks. They're a lot more nimbler. Uh, yeah. Yeah. To, Texas, I mean, if you have illusions of fishing on Rayburn and Toledo Bend and Lake Fork when it's windy and nasty and you want to go anywhere you want, then you're going to probably want a 20-footer with a 200 on it or yeah, a 19-something. Um, but if you're more like, hey, I'll just fish in the back of the creeks and, uh, you know, there's I mean, there's a lot of lakes, a lot of wood and stumps, and it's a lot easier to bounce off those stumps with a, a an aluminum rig. So it depends difference. on your style, right? Like also, yeah. like what you... Yeah, there's a huge price difference in like a you know what's an 819 phoenix and a 929 or uh, a ranger 519 dude you can get a 519 like 2017 for under forty thousand, maybe right at or triton tr19 tr186 really good boats you can find those four or five years old with maybe some warranty left on the motor for 35 36 thousand which is still a lot of money to yeah. people but you can definitely compete. I mean, look at John. But John Cox runs a 20, 21-footer with a 200 Crestliner. Dude, that I mean, is a monster freaking barge. Yeah. Like, like, I did not realize how big they are till I got on one the other day. If I was fishing, if I was trying to fish a tournament trail in Texas, I'd, I'd want a 19-and-a-half to 20-and-a-half-footer with a 200, 225, 250 on it. That's just me. <laughs> it's true. it is the master of titles and clickbait. He is... Dude, he is Hall of Fame level. I, I, I mean, I, I can't hate on him. Oh, I'd love to have him on a stream. I want to pick his brain, Rogan style. I don't want to debate him. I just want to know what's going through his head. Yeah. I think I'd rather talk to him offline because I want to talk about things that people probably on, on this stream wouldn't be interested in. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Like, I don't think I've seen – I've actually seen pretty good growth in the last six months. 
Um, I think you do have to adapt with what what the uh, I don't know, like you got to earn the click and you got to deliver, right? So gone are the times of just putting up <laughs> average content with average thumbnails and average titles and thinking thanks. you're going to get thanks, Rich. <laughs> No, I and mean, you also still have to be consistent as well. Right, so. that's the number one deal I tell everybody all the time. I've talked to Rich, and, we, we had, and I was like, yeah, man, I'm going to upload all this. Blah, blah, and then I upload one video in a month. Consistency is key. And uh, I know we're not talking about post-spawn fishing anymore, but I tend to do that on streams to get off target. But consistency is key. It doesn't matter if you stream on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Instagram. The more you do it, the more you upload, the more people are going to watch. And I kind of fell into this. YouTube's killing my channel because I stream. But then I look at all these gamers that stream their game, and, and then they upload a video the next day, and they're still getting, you know, 80,000, 90,000 views. Uh, I, don't think, uh, I don't think there's a lot of truth to that. I think uh, it's all about uh, retention and if you got a topic and if people are interacting with you in the chat it's a really good thing and i see some streamers and i'm not calling anybody out and this is just fishing they just do what they're doing and talk to the air like I, yeah. hella bass is great about connecting with his viewers i love to chat with the viewers good bad whatever and people like that they want to feel a part of your stream and you talk to social media gurus and stuff like that Part of your brand is your interaction with people, and they're going to remember it when they ask you a question and you, you pick them out and you answer it. If you keep ignoring them, they're going to ignore your channel too. So, And I yeah. try to respond to every comment after a video, good or bad. Sometimes I fly off the handle every now and then. But, you know, yeah. it I mean, it's not just a channel to me. It's a community. Like, yeah. This is like... Yeah, so Hella Bass is in my Discord channel. Any, I don't, I forgot the link to it. It's on one of my videos. But Discord's just a little community, man. I like just popping up and hey guys, Rich is going to stream or TW has a sale. Richard Omni's got a sale, and we're just communicating with guys. Just like I text Rich and say, hey man, uh, they got some baby brush hogs on sale. So and so cool, you know. When we put that, we're trying to build a community more than just a YouTube channel, and I think that's what. I see guys struggle with, they go, I'm trying to build a YouTube channel. Well, what you need to build is a community where people can come and interact and all that stuff. Thank you. Thank you, Hella Bass, for posting the Discord. It's totally free. It's, it's, it's an app. Yeah, so check that out. We both hang out in there. Um, back to the post-spawn talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It, the thing is, we didn't talk about this. We, we touched on it. I guess we kind of glazed over it, Lawrence. But, like, down south... Like where Bateman lives on Kentucky and Barkley, you can probably spawn, find fish, probably spawning fish for a good six to eight weeks, two months from start to finish between waves, probably up here on our little lakes. The majority of them are going to do it in one to two weekends and you may miss it. Like if you got to, you go fishing, it might be pre-spawn. You miss next week because of graduation party. And then you come back the week later, there might be post-spawn already. It like up here because they get ice and the season is condensed, right? So like from ice off to winter is six to eight months. And so like they come out of winter, they're they're like when the ice melts, they're in pre-spawn. They are sitting right on the edge of where they're gonna spawn. And it just they don't 
it gets a little warm and they get one moon and it's like that. Um, it happens fast. Have we talked about how good frogs are post-spawn? Yeah, I mean, to me, I think it is, it's not that immediate post-spawn, but that once they flip the switch and start, like... Once they get on them brim beds, I really like a frog. It's a good way to pick off a couple big ones. uh, I love a frog. Like, I cannot wait. I appreciate it, Adam. We're probably just a week away from unleashing this box, Uh, so... Oh, I got some... Junior really wants to throw this baby sexy frog. I'm going to try to get him on that. It looks like the one's in my pool right now. But, you know, I'm not really that far in the south. I'm just below the Mason-Dixon line. Like, I'm not, my wife is not related to me. You get down to Alabama, that's the true south. That's dating cousins and stuff like that. Duckweed and frogging, there's mmm, 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 doesn't mmm. I mean, you want like on Mississippi River when there's a good duckweed bite, man. Ooh. We don't have that stuff here. Oh man, that's good. Yeah, Tonka's big enough. You do see that. Like you will get the the East Side Wyzetta cleaner water. They will be behind the. The stubs, the west arm, all that stuff on the other side, for sure. But most of our lakes aren't big enough to have that, Lauren. Uh, a lot of the smaller lakes, it all happens like that. Um, but, Sorry, uh, my bass boat groups got me distracted. You know, get bass boat universe there. popping off. Yeah, guys, if, you, if you're looking for a bass boat, uh, get on Facebook, join Bass Boat Universe. Uh, I'm not Bass Boat Central yet. We got an Instagram as well, so some you know if you're looking for a good deal, like guy today posts a 2003 Cobra, like the one Matt Allen used to have. It's got a 2013 Pro XS, wants 22 grand for it. It's loaded with Helix nines. I mean, it's a good looking boat. So there's one of those instances where you could afford to get to a 20 foot boat pretty cheap. That's interesting. We know as all stakeheads are cheap. Let me ask you this. I gotta ask Rich a question. Um, speaking of grass, what type of grass are you gonna target in post spawn? Is there a specific grass up your way that you're looking for? I mean, if the, the when you can find the earliest coontail and milfoil, that's the best. The, the problem stuff. is you're gonna be inundated most likely in the post spawn with curly leaf pondweed, which is a pain to fish. And fish will use it, but it just like when it comes up, it like takes over, and it just like mm-hmm. from like two foot to eight foot, the whole lake is like, and like that's just. But, but if you can find little pockets of like regular cabbage, literally, if you can find any good weeds that aren't the curly pond weed, you're usually in good shape. Well, see, uh, we have what we call the my southern guys know this. Uh, what I like to call uh, water willows and then yeah. goldenrod slash yellow flowers. And it's kind of a deal where it usually starts in the pre-spawn and a bed in it. But after they spawn, if you're not a really good offshore fisherman, those are great places to catch and post-spawn fish because there's a lot of bugs, insects, a lot of brand running around. And, man, that's the chatterbaiting, spinnerbaiting, uh, yeah. your wacky rigging deal man those bass they like that shallow cover 
it's a good transition area where they can feed in that kind of stuff and they can move out real quick. Great for buzz baits in the morning. Yeah. So for us, the round pencil reeds or the tulies would mm-hmm. be, or, or the, the emerging pads in a lot of our smaller lakes will take the place of what you probably see with your yellow flowers and, and uh, their bank willows and things like that. Um, and then there's certain places uh, that we have some arrowhead in northern Minnesota. We've got, it's kind of our emergent vegetation that kind of takes the place of that stuff, I guess. Um, yeah, when cottonwood starts to fly, the frog bite definitely goes off for us, which is a pain, which is why I got rid of my micro guides <laughs> on my frog rods. Uh, end of June, what? pool seven and it doesn't matter you can win out of all three of them absolutely michael um i mean you can probably for pool seven you can pretty much stick to the lake on alaska and down so you really probably don't really need to look at the upper end of uh i think pool seven that time of year on a kayak eight is pretty wide open top to bottom goose there's a lot of good water there and then um the top of nine is pretty good as well. I'm not super familiar with it, but you can win out of all of them. You're going to see more pressure in eight and seven. If you want to get away from the group, the top of nine is probably going to be a little less pressure. But uh, and kind of you kind of have to watch because the Mississippi River and those pools, there's different tributaries coming in from rivers from both sides, uh, the Black and the Wisconsin River and a few other things, and they come in different places. So you may see where like one like half way down, like I think the root river comes in on eight on the west side. Like if we get really heavy rain out of the southern Minnesota, northern Iowa, it may wash out or make the, the southern part of uh, pool eight and the raft channel super muddy. So that might cross it off for you or the top of nine might get muddy. So kind of watch the water conditions and maybe drive around with your truck and look at different sections of the river and then kind of put in where you've got like good water. Dude, bass do like dragonflies. I'd agree, Beavis. Yeah. Dustin finally got out of the prison. He's a man, he's a working man like me. He's got one point. of the most beautiful Phoenix bass boats a man could ever. Got that have. new purple one, yeah. And like he can catch fish. I like the background. We need to have your frogs on more often, dude. So my pool uh the filter pump burn up so i've been draining it and it is full of bull frogs and it's mating season but they'll be gone tomorrow the water's almost out yeah i think the podcast the people that listen to this on mp3 are gonna really like when they're driving around and walking they're gonna really appreciate the frogs in the background you know randy says asmr will make you a better fisherman so just <laughs> pretend those just listen to the frogs that's a good run, Critical Gravy. Ten days in a row. Good luck tomorrow. Smash them. Dude. Uh, Every time I eat biscuits and gravy, I think of Critical Gravy. Biscuits and gravy or gravy and biscuits? Hmm. Um, I use a... Uh, <clears throat> I use 20 or 17-pound main line and 12-pound fluorocarbon leader. 90% of the time. I'll use both. I think in lakes, I tend to use more fluorocarbon leader. And then when I'm fishing the Mississippi River, 
where I'm dealing with current and usually shallower, I tend to go with mono. I'll like a 20 pound mainline fluorocarbon, and then I'll put like a 15 or 17 pound mono. Um, it just seems to hold up a little better. And like a really good co-poly or mono is pretty strong, like big game or Cajun or something like that. I have don't really say, good luck with Don't that. say big game. It's the devil. No, big game is the big game. Big game is the the juice. I want to know what we did before fluorocarbon. I was a I use trialing sensation in big game and P line. Honestly, I've been using a lot of big game lately. I tied it, I spooled it up a bunch of it when I went to to uh, Watchtower River back in November, fishing around cypress stumps and trees, right where I figured I'd be shallow cranking mm-hmm. shallow spinner baits. So I want to be able to like better to pop it off and come around those stumps, you know, and bumping stumps like heavy heavy mono just for shallow cranking buzz baits. I feel like is a, is the deal and. I just haven't took it off, and I'm still catching a lot of fish on it. <laughs> we might see the, the return of the mono for Dude, I like mono here. on a rattle trap. really do. You can get away with a little bit stiffer rod, and so you're not pulling the hooks out of them, but you've still got some backbone to winch, winch yeah. fish around with the rattle trap. My chatterbait rod I got mono on. Um, Gators Adventure, he's always catching them on Instagram. Making me jealous. Yeah, man. I appreciate being tagged. If any of you guys catch any fish, I don't care if it's a jaint or it's a 10 incher, man, tag me. I get bored at work sometimes. I'm always looking, scrolling stuff. <sighs> well, what else we got, Rich? Got any aces in the hole? I don't know. What, I'm trying to think. Is there anything else I, we talked about? Dingers? Or we did, I mean, Ned's probably a thing. I'll be honest, I'm a brush pile fisherman, and post-spawn is a good time to be finding those brush piles six to eight feet deep. I'm I'm not talking about ledge fishing, I'm talking about in between a boat dock, uh, off a boat ramp, or down a spawning bank where you crappie fishermen have, have put some brush piles. That's a really good place to throw a finesse jig or... Uh, your favorite weightless, you don't even have to go weightless, creature bait, anything. Those little brush piles, man, those are stopping points for bass, uh-huh. and they will use those to move out deep. Now, they may not be there long, but I always tell people, especially post-spawn, those those fish are, they're heading somewhere. They're using pieces of cover to get out somewhere. Uh, they're like deer. So deer like fences, um, and they travel by fence rows. Mm-hmm. Road beds, brush piles, those are natural stopping points for those bass to get out deeper. Um, so when you're going down a bank and you're casting it to lay down or the grass or whatnot, check out your depth finder. If you see a brush pile or something, don't be afraid to turn around and throw a worm in there, crit your bait. Uh, a lot of times you'll catch a fish out of there. I mean, you're not looking for groups doing that like you would like a traditional offshore brush pile ledge fishing. But you're looking for some onesie twosies that might have been a female that just spawned last week that stopped at that brush pile to rest up. Yeah. For us, I feel like a really good under so like little trash mats. Mm-hmm. A lot. And then the other thing is like old pad root stems, which are kind of like brush yeah. piles. It's like where like the they'll like spawn up in the shallow pad flat, and then mm-hmm. they'll go out and hang on those hard lily pad root clumps. Is a really good post spawn stopping area in our lakes. Um, Dude, riprap holds a lot of fish too. We don't really have riprap up here. Yeah, here, it's, <laughs> it's kind of a weird. It's kind of a 
shad spawn deal, but the riprap, it collects algae and mussels and vegetation. And, and so some I mean, shad and bait fish that in the evenings, man, you know, riprap's just a place where those post-spawn fish come up and feed. And I like a little buzz bait, a walking bait, a square bill, you know. I kind of agree with Rich. They've seen so many rattle traps and square bills and stuff that post-spawn. Uh, not catching a lot of them on it, but that's actually when I catch quite a few on a balsa crankbait. Mm-hmm. You know, it's silent, it's deflecting different, and you're burning it around. So, yeah, I use the same knots for floral to mono connecting braid. I don't really change them. Same knot. Um, San Diego jam or dive. No, I'm saying it's connection knot. I don't change it whether I'm tying braid to mono or braid to floral. I think oh. that's good. Yeah, I don't hardly tie loaders. I use the RP knot when I do. Yeah. Um, did you see the TikTokers before I'm tired of them? But go ahead, yeah. Did you see t- uh, Skeet Reese on TikTok? He says he just uses a surgeon's knot. Yeah. I mean, he does it really quick. I mean, yeah. And I know we had we had Justin Lucas on last week. He's a big, crazy Alberto guy. Like he thinks the FG knot's overrated. That's pretty much what Skeet said that takes 30 minutes to tie it he's got and of course he's fishing mlf you gotta get that bait back in the water so yeah i have not tried the line lyn line i know sam moore owns that company i've never played with it i have no opinion on it i've not tried it same got you can get some good deals on it bulk on omnia but i have not tried it uh tips beyond the basics for flooded river conditions I guess the one thing I like to do when it's flooded is make sure that I got a bank. <laughs> like, so uh, I'll try to get where I at least got a riprap bank or something behind me a little bit or something to get steeper banks. I, I have, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, there are times you can get them other places. For me, I feel like my odds and my confidence go way up when I can have a bank, a physical that's bank. A, that's the same here. I like fishing places where the water doesn't go behind me. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, it concentrates those fish to that area. And sometimes like it's a steeper bank where water can't just flood a field and they're all scattered it's like a point comes out and then that's it it's not going anywhere else um but one thing i like to do on a flooded river is uh i like to fish in front of where i would normally cast because there's so much current you can't just throw at the lay down so by the time a spinnerbait or something engages you're drifted you gotta lead your you gotta lead your presentation a little bit (laughs) So one thing I think Gamma makes good line. Yes, they and, do. Uh, but one thing when I, I was I was putting together a chart and Excel sheet, and for what I remember, Gamma diameter is actually larger than other lines. Like Seaguar ten pound to Seaguar Gamma, I feel like Gamma is like slightly bigger, which explains why it's so strong for its pound rating is because it's actually it is heavier line. Not that that's a problem. You just need to be cognizant uh, of your line. But when I was looking at them, it seemed like they actually had a little bit thicker lines for each pound, which explains why their 10 pound is so strong because it's probably like 11 or 12. But um, I've kind of shied away from Gamma because it's just not readily available. I like to stick with like Sunline and Seaguar because I can get it anywhere when I need it. JJ lives on a river. He says, 100% find a bank. Dustin, river guy, find a bank. Uh, free rig, that's something I need to play around with more. 
I think anything to me, based on how I understand how a free rig works, something that like a rage bug, something that's got a flat body and a little bit of an appendages to give it some drag and float it behind it. I think if you keep that in mind, all those would be good free rig baits. Uh... What? The Blues won in overtime? Come on. Go away, Blues. <laughs> there are many people that say that the free rig is just an unpegged Dexus rig, but uh, I haven't played around with it enough. It's, yeah, it, it's kind of like that. I mean, I'm team no peg though. Yeah, punch fishing chimes back in when we talk free rig. This I is feel... actually a really good point. Back to that question. I like punch fishing, but he is all about the the hookup tackle way. Uh. Yes, this is true. Like on the Mississippi River, the bottom of the pools, like the top of the pool when it's flooded and it's six feet high, it will feel six feet high. At the bottom of the pool by the dam, it's probably going to feel like it's only two feet high. That water, as it goes, it spreads out. And that typically is true. And that is a, a pretty good tip, Dustin. Pretty much. A little bit different. Swim school is hilarious. Uh, Absolutely, George. I'm jacked for Lahavadu chain. <laughs> Dang, Sycamore ain't no you jacked your finger up, man. That I hate to hear that. That well, that has soon. to be that one area. You know, if you have a fishing industry injury, a finger is not good. Like mm-hmm. I think I could jack my. You know, break your arm. You can still figure out how to cast. It'll be a little stiff, but finger man, mm, gotta use them a lot. Now, I, I guess it depends. Like maybe the pinky wouldn't be bad, but like any of your main three fingers would be tough. Yeah, I use my middle finger a lot for flipping off all the hoe buzzards. <laughs> I think you could always do like the just. The, I mean, if your finger, you could always just give them this one, right? Like get the point across. Punch I guess one thing that I've been playing around with and this is not endorsed at all, but like half a spot, right? It was an app that like Millican and others were pimping last yeah. year, but they have like month long online tournaments that are cheap to get like 25 bucks. They're like kayak tournaments, but you don't have to have a kayak. You can fish. I don't trust and, online tournaments. I don't know, but they're cheap. They're like 25 bucks. So it's like for fun, right? Like I, would I get in this if it was $250 or $500 and like high six, but we're fishing for like nothing. So for me, it's something fun to do when I'm out pre-fishing to just, like, log a few fish catches. Yeah, I mean, doing you know it like I mean? that, like, kind of like the angler app. Yeah. It was kind of cool there for a while because I actually, if you're actually logging your catches, you can't go back at the end of the day sitting in the recliner and go, huh, I found a pattern here. But yeah. I was too stupid on the water to pay attention. And you're like, oh, all these fish come off secondary points near creek channel swing. But it, I don't know. It's kind of fun. It gives you like, kind of lets you fish a month long tournament. It gives you a little extra motivation to get out and maybe do a little extra fishing and like, and for twenty five bucks you win a hundred bucks, whatever. If you don't, it's like kind of like joining the gym and it gets you out and like I don't know. It gives you a lot of incentive to to catch some long fish to to put on the board and and, and submit. I don't know. Dude, we've been streaming for an hour and forty five minutes. This is my like my normal. Oh, time. my bad. I'm not I usually to, do like an hour and a half to two hours, but I'm not used to going this long. Yeah, 
We on know. St- on, yeah, I'm talking about streaming. <laughs> I used to. Me and Eric had some three, four-hour deals. I think me and you had a two-and-a-half-hour. Yeah, I was going to say, back in the pandemic when we had nothing to do and we were like. <laughs> I'm fixing to be in the at gas pandemic where I, it's not. I've definitely not thought about us, hosting an online. Yeah, I think it'd be cool. I, I didn't mean it bad. Uh, I've just, man, I see some of these dudes in these swim bait groups wanting to fight each other over these yeah. online tournaments. I think you have to keep it, like, light and friendly, right? You can have yeah. some prizes, but you got to keep it down to the point where you're happy if you win, but you're not, like, winning enough that you compel people to really, like, bend the rules and push it. Right? Yeah, we're not going to put no $600 Piz swim bait up here and have guys jumping fences to get in a four-acre pond, you know, I think if you just did it straight up, hey, just go fishing. Let's all for fun. We'll give a few sponsored things away. That's cool. But, man, the yak community, there's always somebody cutting up a fish or pulling out of a basket <laughs> or using a burner cell phone. Yeah. Uh, Tatanka. Hmm. That place is probably pretty – it's a pretty shallow, dirty lake. It's probably full-on post-spawn. I went there this time last year, and I struggled. Curly-leaf pondweed's probably going to be a major issue already. Um, frogs, jigs, overhanging trees. Probably where I'd start. Um, Punch Fishing said he'd do a hell-of-ass online tournament. You cannot use JDM base, though, Punch. No, it'd be anti-JDM. You have to show a picture of your American-made domestic. Well, it can't be American-made. China produce American <laughs> domestic bait. Yeah. We could do a members only. I like that sycamore. We could do something for that. That'd be fun. Hey, that's uh, cool. We'll put Bateman members in there too. Yeah, I think there's a. Uh, we we should do some streams where we do because uh, I I can we can uh, we can co-stream. We could do some member co-streams where both of our members Ooh. can be in the same stream at that's a time. That's a good idea. It's really good. I need to do more for my members. I think I'm, that would I'm be a good idea. Remember how we had the idea about uh, uh, reaction streaming to like old Bassmaster shows? Yes. I think that would be a really great members only thing. Yes, it would. That way we can't get uh, busted by the Bassmaster Federales. Right. Now that I just told them what we'd be doing. I don't think you have to worry about it with FLW or MLF. They can give a shit less about FLW stuff. So True. Yeah. Uh, somebody made uh, oh I'll to say since we're talking about uh, post spawn we got Pickwick coming up uh, yeah the, next week that's right I, s- I just sent in my fantasy fishing column well can you give us a little preview or should I give you a little preview well you're the you're the local why don't you uh... I, I'm not that local but it should be a uh, Typical post-spawn Tennessee River deer. I think you think they're going to be on the ledges offshore yet, or you think they're going to be? I think they're going to be transitioning, and but mark my word, there will be guys catch them offshore, and there will be one or two guys just wreck them. Yeah, Uh, you're also going to see a guy wreck some smallmouth. Somebody's going to find them up in the current, and um, you're going to see some guys catch them a few big bags shallow. But I don't think the shallow bot will hold up multiple days. Yeah, I think the it's going to be one offshore, whether that's offshore grass or offshore ledge. Can they because lock to Wheeler? I don't think. Well, is we no? Can they go to Wilson? 
I, usually they can't, and they are taking out accounts. They're not taking out of Florence. So the people that want to fish the spillway got a haul, and they're going to use up their day. Well, also, uh, that just made Pickwick fish really small because usually traditionally the best offshore stuff from the right. notches up to counts. Yep. And could fish really small. We could see some fireworks. But it's a hundred. It's ninety four anglers, right? So I don't think. Yeah, that depends on how many team and local tournaments are out there. But Pickwick like, gets a lot of pressure these days, right? It's the new Kentucky Lake. Actually, Wheeler is the new Kentucky Lake that nobody's talking about yet. Yeah, <laughs> it's freaking. It used to be a gar hole. Now it's good. Well, it was good, and then it turned back into like it just like all the TVA like cycle and they uh, do, and that's why I have some hope for Kentucky Lake. It's just got to wait its turn. We'll get all the carp pushed into Pickwick, and we'll be okay. Yeah, I can I can give you my uh, preview here. Here, so I definitely leaned towards offshore guys, and that was the uh, basis of my column here. Is, Buddy uh, Gross is a good good pick, Adam. So I'm going Brian Schmidt because there is good grass in Pickwick, and he's going to kind of keep me a little bit like honest. He's going to mm-hmm. keep my mid range shallow to mid range grass honest. And get me some good air. I think Cody Huff Cody's has a good not angler. had a lake that really sets up for how he likes to fish offshore. And if they start to come out on the ledges, Cody Huff's probably the kind of guy that's going to probably spend 90% of his practice scanning and not fishing. And I think he'll find something. Clint Davis offshore. You can't not pick Clint on a Tennessee River. Really. And he's only like, surprise, Clint Davis was only four percent yeah to me he seemed like a pretty easy pick in this bucket honestly i mean there's some good anglers here but like to me clint jumps out here uh, yeah uh aaron is gonna probably have a solid tournament i could see felts having these tournament with his knowledge of chickamauga may translate to pickens a little or to pickwick a little bit um, Livesey's a good pick, just because yeah. he's got he's, that he's, offshore game. He's he's game. he's gonna he's gonna probably got a little bit of a hangover from all the celebration at Ross Barnett and Pickwick, so he probably have an okay tournament, but I don't think he's gonna top ten it. I'll be honest, a sleeper there, Matty Wong. He's a dude. They like the soft swim bait, the bass tricks there at Pickwick. That's a guy that could you could see a good derb out of Matty Wong. Sure. Uh, yeah. Pipkins has got experience there, so does Cruz. Cruz knows Pickwick good. One thing I struggled with is I went Mullins over Polinick. I really I'm, wanted to, I was torn really hard. Those two. I don't know, man. That's, there's a, I don't know if I would have gone any different in that group. I might, might have went with uh, Matt Airy just because mm-hmm. he's got a lot of experience there and he's, I'm going to say he's a winner. Um, Mullins, if they're biting us, crankbait david mullins is going to wreck that's what i'm banking on is that we're gonna i'm really you see my roster is really leaning Mm -hmm. into like the fish coming to them brandon lester right now but they should be coming to them and they should be the people fishing for fresh fish right lester wouldn't be a bad pick and we're not drew benton's a pretty good offshore guy schlopper one the national championship there, but that was a, a tail race thing. I don't know how much that's going to play. We'll see. I don't know what buckets he's in. Micah Frazier like... would be a good good pick for somebody. Yeah, I don't see here. Uh... So, Fighter was my backup pick. 
with the grass. Robertson. Uh, Webster would be a sneaky pick here if you're looking for a low percentage guy. Uh, yeah, Joe Webster's a really good uh, – he's a good pickwick stick. Robertson, dude, if they – if, if if Robertson can graph him, he could if he can catch find some wads out there. Yeah, it sets up for him to blow everyone away. Yeah, but, much like a Buddy Gross is just like a shinier version of Robertson when it comes to that. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, What's up? In, what else is in D and E bucket? I forgot to set my roster to second term of the year, so I'm out of fantasy efficient. After a really good top, like, 96 percentile first one. So, Mosley is getting a lot of attention. He did really well in April last year. Um, but then he fished the Open in May and did not have a good tournament. He, Pickwick is his home pond, but, and it is that end, so it'll be interesting mm-hmm. to see how he does. But he did not do great. In Micah the Frazier's a good fisherman. So was Josh Douglas. Josh yeah. Douglas has some good Tennessee River success. And I actually think Austin Felix, he's a he's a big-time grapher. If it was in March, I'd pick Mark in a heartbeat. If it was a March jerking deal, there's no way you couldn't pick Menendez. But yeah, I don't have any inside info. I just know Mark's not a big fan of Pickwick this time of year. Just yeah. a style clash for him. Yeah. And then... Uh... Welcher probably have a decent tournament. I don't think he's really twenty six percent in this bucket. Atkins is a hometown guy, but he's he did not do well in the April tournament. He actually finished eleventh in the May Open last year. So he Wes uh, Logan's a good one for Pickwick. Kobe Krieger, Keith Combs could be good if they get out and catch him cranking. One of these days, he's gonna. Catch him on a chartreuse blue six XD again. Yeah, uh, Kobe Krieger could be a sneaky guy to make a top fifty. He did well in that April tournament, didn't he? Lead it the second day when that high current stuff. Mm-hmm. But Kobe's a good guy, man. I really like him, dude. What happened to? Right, I'm going to dress elephant in the room. What the heck happened to Iconelli at Fork? Did he have another bad one? I thought he had just didn't even weigh anything in the first day. Or maybe the bass track was off, and then I saw he was in last. And well, it shouldn't have been one. off because each one of them had a marshal. He did end up finishing 55th, so it wasn't a complete. I feel like he's starting to get his season turned around a little bit here, but he had a really rough start in Florida. He's had a couple bombish type tournaments, but. I'm not sure if I'm feeling Paul Miller. I know some guys are. I say that and he'll win. He does. He did. I have heard him say that cranking is one of his favorite techniques, but I've never really seen him like. He had a crankbait rod from Dobbins. Is he still with Dobbins anymore? He's not. Who's he with? Please don't say favorite rods. <laughs> I don't think it's favorite, though. No. Okay. Uh, I forget where he went. We see it on his jersey. Is, it is he rodless or is he? Maybe somebody in the chat can. Uh... Is it six gill? Who was the big time pro that went to six gill? Oh, that's Rubanus. Yeah. Hmm. Going from the boom boom rod to the bogo rod. 
And he was doing six skill reels. Yeah. But... Rubanus. From Boom Boom to Bogo. <laughs> yeah. That's uh Loose? Yeah. Maybe? Maybe he did know. go Yeah, I know he did to go to Loose, yeah. I I'm not a big fan of the Loose X D rod. It's a little too stiff for me. I like mine a little limp. Insert. Yeah, no joke. I, I like a softer cranking rod than most guys. I honestly don't know most of these guys up and doing math-based picks. Yeah, I ain't going to do no math-based picks. I, I don't know that he's got that. a rod thing. He might have just be uh, looking at his... Uh, Website it doesn't appear that. I don't really want to say anything bad about six skill reels because I've never used one, but I've held the rods and I, I didn't feel like it was anything out. Nick will give you his honest opinion of them. Yeah, Nick says he don't like them. I mean, in general, I'm always kind of weary of things that are constantly a bogo, just in general, whether that's a rod or reel or car or, <laughs> or yeah. whatever like if women if yeah <laughs> drain the lake yeah my drain the lake is yes you are hearing frogs bassmaster matt it's uh it's a uh, bait man i thought it was my dog snoring at first so my drain the lake is josh strachner brock mosley matthew robertson justin atkins clint davis Justin Hamner, Joseph Webster, and Brandon Lester. I'm kind of, I think right around high 80s is what my prediction for tiebreaker. Yeah, I said 89, 88, 87, 89 pounds, something like that. If you hit Pickwick right, it can be a century club late. But we're, we're early, you know, late, we're post-spawn into early summer. It's not quite going to uh, maybe. I don't I mean, I guess if they really start to go on ledges, I guess it could be. Yeah, so, I mean, prime Pickwick four or five years ago, it was nothing to catch a 25-pound bag. But can you do it four days in a row? Did my, the, oh, I didn't set my roster. That last good. Kentucky Lake tournament Edwin one was the closest, I think, Kentucky Lakes got to hitting the century glove. Yeah. Edwin was right there. I agree. I like the background music. Well, thank you, guys. I appreciate that. I did see where Pacific Sun stole a meme from Wanahoom. He's <laughs> pretty torn up about it. But this means you're getting noticed you're doing something. Yeah, they said they saw it on Facebook. I'm like, Wanahoom doesn't even post on Facebook. I mean, if your stuff gets borrowed, that just means it's like, what well, imitation is the, the sincerest form of flattery. Yeah, it wasn't one of his porn memes. Thank goodness. <laughs> I guess... Uh... We should touch on the uh, so. Assuming you haven't got everything you need at Omnia Fishing using the code down below, there is a tackle warehouse sale this weekend, I believe. Yep. Um, so it actually goes live for everybody tomorrow Friday, morning. Tomorrow? I think tomorrow. To yeah, it's either tomorrow or Friday at eight o'clock Pacific time. So if so. you want to help Bateman out, you can go to one of his recent videos or streams, and there should be a link to bet. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's just the in the description. Warehouse. It says where I buy my baits. Link to tackle warehouse. You click that. 
And then, as long as you don't click Tactical Bassin or somebody else's Tackle Warehouse link, it saves in your computer for like 30 days. Yeah. Uh, but if you want to click their links too, that's fine. You can yeah. support everybody. I would say either click Bateman or Debo. That's my first two choices. Yeah, man. I clicked Debo's link the other day. I didn't buy anything, but, you know, I feel like when I'm going to order, I'm going to click somebody else's link. I'm going to help him out. I like Debo. Absolutely. He's a great dude. I need to get him. The only thing about Debo is if you talk pro fishing, he's just like, what? Yeah, but man, you want to talk about bait casters, rods, reels? Debo's yeah. the man for sure. But yeah, um, and Omni is great. Uh, you know they're doing a lot of cool things. So you know, order here, order there. Ain't gonna bother me if you order from Six Cents. Use my code Baitman, get you a little discount. Um, I don't know what else. Uh, I don't, I'm not aware of a your Lake Fork guide and pros having beefs, dude. So I don't know your Lake Fork guide, Billy Lawson, very well. Uh, I talked to him through text one time. Not saying anything bad about him, but that whole Lake Fork guide scene. Yeah, that's just dude. A there's beefing going on everywhere, and I don't. Uh, I don't know if that's because Billy's popular and got a following and there's always beef, but it doesn't matter if it's Billy Lawson or Ronnie Kelly. Ronnie's a good friend of mine. He's always telling me all the crazy beef going on. And just guys you've never heard of. New guys, old guys, and they're always clashing. He's like, dude, it's like a freaking soap opera. And I kind of remember what it was like that on Kentucky Lake a little bit. You had all these guys that from <laughs> Pickwick coming up to guide here, and there was all kinds of state outlet, but Lake Fork is the most guided lake in the country, so yeah. there is going to be some clashing. Yeah, we can't we can't do live. Well, we we can do MLF. They don't seem to care. But Bass was not a fan of me doing live stream watch parties. We could do it, but we can't show any of the uh, the footage. Yeah, well, I mean, you can watch it, and we can sit here and right, or we go to the double secret stream. Yeah, or we do members only, and then we can do a watch party, a true watch party. Um, and I think part of that is now that I saw that Omnia had their <laughs> their live shopping stream, right? I'm sure that wasn't free for Omnia to do that. So I'm guessing they don't want people like us doing it for free when they're charging other people to do that. Right. So it's all business. It's following the money. And it's probably because this also airs on FS1 as well. And Which I can't, I'm not, I, I never shared the FS1 version, right? Right. Never... We like bass and we don't want to make them mad. Right. But you know, I might could sweet talk somebody. I did try to ask for permission, but I never heard from them. And then like a week or two after I did it, then I was later like, we can't tell you not to do it, but we're not really a fan of it. <laughs> yeah. And we're going to play nice because one of these days they may remember that and say, hey, Rich, Bateman, whoever, since you played by the rules, we're going to give you a special golden opportunity to cover <laughs> the first event, the Guggen Squad Fishes. There you go. The Alex Perrick Open. I like Perrick. He's no longer a Guggen Squad member, so. That's true. Cool. Yeah. Did you catch him? How did the. Uh, sp- uh, did we get a sneak peek before the video comes out? Did, did you catch him, Gabe? In the Wednesday nighter? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I kind of like take the uh, 
a rising tide raises all boats, right? Like the more eyeballs, the better, but that's not how execs and corporate people necessarily look at things like that. Hell bass. I got to get to bed. Yeah. It's two hours. This is usually about when we wrap it up. So yeah, make sure you put a chapter in. marker in here. This is when we quit talking about baits and postpone. <laughs> yeah so uh i think uh you're talking about streaming this weekend so go check out the bait man channel i think he's thinking sunday Tennessee sunday time. we're gonna talk deep crankbaits spro six cents strike king rapala maybe some i don't have right now uh one of my favorite streams all about deep crankbaits we'll talk line rods reels kevin you're trying to recruit ap to six cents nah man uh, he slid in my DMs about a month ago. I had a pretty good conversation with him. I like him. I like him a lot better now. Yeah. Um, no BFLs, uh, Bonnie. So, yeah, I'm hoping to get a video out Friday or Saturday on Big Stone Tourney. Should be back streaming next time. I'm hoping to get out like two videos a week in a stream. If you guys came in late, you can catch the replay on Facebook, YouTube. Check out Bateman's channel. If you rather like listen to this in the replay while you're going to the gym, walking, driving, you can do the podcast version. Just search Hellabass on your favorite MP3 app. And as always, thanks, Bateman, and uh, here to help hey, you no guys problem, catch more Rich. big bass and suck less. <laughs> oh, I still going to suck, I'll tell you that. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. As always, thanks to all of you that hung in till the end of this podcast. This has been another episode of Hellabass Bass Fishing Podcast Experience. Please consider sharing this with any of your bass and buddies and friends. This is the best way for podcasts to grow is through word of mouth. Also, don't forget to search Hellabass on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, or just about anywhere else so that we can connect in more ways. As always, here to help you catch more bass and suck less.